If you're new here, we've been looking through this, this new series, looking through the book of Philippians. And if you're not familiar of kind of what's been happening, Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to this church to encourage them to uh, push them to continually seek after Jesus and to essentially make their whole lives revolve around their faith um, to push forward. Um, so we are in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Um, before we read, I want to pray for our time. If you want to bow your heads with me. Lord God, we just thank you for this night. Lord, thank you for this powerful truth in front of us, Lord, that, um, that you paid the debt that we could not owe, that um, you died the, the, the sinner's death, God, the death that we deserved. Lord, we rejoice in that truth, God, that you are uh, the risen king. Lord, I pray for tonight, Lord, that you reveal something new to us, Lord. May you move powerfully and boldly in this place, God. Um, Lord, I just pray after we leave this place, Lord, our hearts are changed, and we just know you deeper and a new perspective, Lord. But we give this night to you. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to read along with me, if you have a Bible, open it up. And if you don't have one, you can look along with your neighbor. So I'm starting in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, now, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering and the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So in verse 12, he starts with the word, therefore. So which then implies that whatever's coming, what I was going to say next is based on what he said prior. And so last week, if you're here, we looked through verses 5 through 11. Um, and essentially, we see the humility of Christ displayed in verses 5 through 11, how he was like God, yet he died this death for us. So that is a driving force. Like the gospel is a driving force for what is Paul going to say, what he's going to say next. Um, he calls them to, this is church, he calls them to a higher standard, this holy standard, and commands them to work out their faith um, and he didn't say work for your faith. He said work out your faith. I mean, we're sorry, work out, your, not, sorry, work for your, not work for your salvation, work out your salvation. And the thing is the, uh, our salvation is a gift. It is not something that we earn, that we have to work for. And that Jesus did all the work for us on the cross. So as we believe that truth, um, that we accept that, and we, now we work out our faith. Um, and the thing is, that is a debt that we cannot owe. And so when we look at what Jesus did for us, that should change the way that we then view um, our lives. <clears throat> and we could have a couple responses to that. We could hear that truth um, and be changed by it, or we could hear that truth and not be changed by it. Um, I think some of us in this, in this place here have heard this many times. Um, and you've put your faith in Jesus and you are saved but sometimes I think we live in this mindset that we see Jesus as our Savior, not truly our, our Lord of our life. Right, so working out your salvation first, um, first comes from first really recognizing the, 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 the reason why you're being saved, the reality of the world, realizing how broken the world is and how much sin has corrupted everything. 
And once you recognize that, you recognize just the desperate need for salvation and what we need saving from. <clears throat> so then we see what Jesus did for the cross and his response was um, because of our brokenness. Um, and as we recognize that, we, we are hopefully our minds shift from a, okay, he's just a savior to he's actually Lord of my life. <clears throat> and, the, and the truth is um, that we, we really need to rely and depend on the grace of God to navigate through life because without him, we simply cannot do anything. Like we need, every day is a daily thing where we lean on Christ. And my encouragement for y'all in this process of working out your salvation is not to wait till, oh, you know what, I'm gonna wait till I graduate high school or no, I'm not gonna wait till my friend starts taking their faith seriously or I'm not gonna wait till something hard in my life happens for me to actually really take this seriously. But right now, today in this moment that we begin this process of truly working out our salvation and realizing what that means for us. Um, that we look into the future and we just see a lot of growth in ourselves because of our continual pursuit of, of Jesus. Um, right, but then he goes on to say, like, that is not in our own strength that we do that. Right? If we rely on ourselves, we are kind of dead in our tracks, but it's us relying on God. It's us relying on the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to to that, that guides us to then grow from that. <clears throat> but then as we step into um, our salvation and we start working that out, um, right, then we enter this process of sanctification, which means that we're pursuing Jesus. And if we're, if we're saved, then our identity has changed and our lives should reflect just that, that our new desire in our lives is for us to imitate Christ and for us, our lives to look like Jesus' life did. For us to boldly proclaim uh, Philippians 1 verse 21, which said, for us to, for me to live is Christ and to die again. That's essentially the whole, like the, I guess the verse for this whole series, for our lives to look like Christ. And I think it's easy for us to sometimes be in this mindset of our lives looking like Christ in the hour or two that we're here at church or even like the whole week we're at summer camp. I think we, it's easy for us to ride that, that camp, <clears throat> that camp high. But the truth of the matter is, our lives could actually look like that camp high continually. That after we leave camp, months and weeks after, that if we're intentional in seeking after Jesus, right, that camp high actually never truly fades away. Um, even here in the everyday of the mundane, boring things of life, that if we're intentional in seeking Jesus, we can still have that eagerness and that joy of um, pursuing Jesus, right? And if we believe that to be true, and if we stood in awe of Jesus the same way we would maybe on a Sunday morning or at a camp, we reflect that, um, we would then start beginning to live out our identity as sons and daughters, right? Our actions would then reflect what God's word would say. Our hearts would begin to start breaking over the sin of the world. And we would have this urgency within us to then start uh, telling lost people about Jesus. And then that right there looks like working out your salvation. But then we should also look at it as an honor um, that as we do that, God will also use us for his work and his purpose, and he enables us to do that, right? Then we become vessels for the Lord, vessels of hope and vessels of goodness that we get to be used by God um, to represent Jesus well. So if we're representing Jesus, we should do it um, with our whole lives in a, with, an honest, with an honesty. And so Paul gives that command, but he also gives an example how to do that. If you look at verse 14, um, Paul urges the church to do all things without grumbling and arguing. And I think for us, those two things are like, it's a natural tendency that we complain easily. We like the mind of convenience and we start complaining. We argue and we grumble. Um, 
But Paul is very clear, like, hey, don't, no, it's not, don't do some things, do all things, right? Live our lives without this complaining mindset. And I think we can combat that, we can fight that by continually seeking Jesus. If we continue to look at the goodness of God and rest in the joy that Jesus offers us, it's kind of hard for us to live in that complaining mindset all the time. <clears throat> and and Paul doesn't say that just for, just to say it, right? There's a bigger purpose for us to not complain, not to do these things. It's for an outwardly outwardly effect that as we as we minimize our complaining and as we seek Jesus, is an is an effect to the people around us. <clears throat> and as we rejoice in God's word, people see that, and there's a people are drawn to that. And things written in God's word simply isn't there just to make us better people, right? The reason this is all written here is for us to look at this and our hearts to be changed to glorify God, for our hearts to be changed then for us to live missionally so other people can also know the truth of God's word. Paul goes on to say that we are lights within this world, that we stand out like stars, that we shine bright. Um, another bit of scripture that calls us lights is in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. It's a pretty familiar verse. It says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives it light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine for others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Right, so as followers of Jesus, we have this light within us that we get to radiate to those around us. And it's not something we should hide, but rather something we should be like boastful and we should be, we should be bold in that and proclaiming that. Um, but as we talk about this idea of being lights, I think an important, like, important thing to recognize is also the darkness of the world, like the darkness of the light that we're um, standing in. We look around the world, we see the brokenness and the pain, the perversion, the suffering. We see all this stuff and all this, uh, all this mess. And the reality is for all of us, right, that we are either partakers in sin or either victims of sin. We are, we cannot escape those two things. That because we live in a fallen world, they're just sin all around us. Um, but then as we turn to Jesus and as we proclaim this truth and as we become lights, that we get to shine against those things. And I pray for us as a student ministry that we became, we can become a place where we do just that. We shine bright and we don't partake in this sin. We don't normalize sin. We don't um, encourage sin, that we stand and fight against those things. Right, but once again, um, every encouragement and every command that Paul gives, he's not, we don't, he's not leaving the reader wondering, okay, how do I do those things? He gives it very clearly. Um, in verse 16, it says, by standing firm in the word of life. <clears throat> and it's through us holding firm to the word of life that we can then become those lights, that we can become, um, that we can stand out in the crowd. And, um, we also use that to minimize our complaining. We use that to minimize our complaining and grumbling as we rest in God's word. <clears throat> I think I think about this analogy a lot that um, God's word is like a is like a compass. Like how a compass is always pointing north, right? The word of God will always point to the person of Jesus. So when you're in the wild and you're lost, you look at this compass and you're like, okay, I know where to go. The same with us. When we're lost in life, we look at God's word, look at the person of Jesus and use that to navigate through the world. And I think a good way to kind of bridge the gap between a word of life and this person of Jesus is in John 1, uh, verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
we observe this glory, the glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Paul is told, telling us to hold firm in the word of life, it's all pointing us just back to who Jesus is. Uh, he's, he's telling us, he's telling this church, like, hey, rest in the person of Jesus, seek Jesus, and that will be kind of the key to of, of navigating through of, of life. And then Paul goes on once again, um, explaining that this all has a bigger purpose um, they, than what we believe. It's a big eternal purpose, pointing to uh, the day of Christ. Um, and it's all for the efforts of Jesus and expanding the kingdom of heaven. Right? The, the, Paul instructs the church of Philippi um, to do these things. And then Paul rests in relief, knowing that they did these things. And all the work that he did was not just in vain. He didn't do all these things just for uh, people not to listen, but they did. And he sees that they know Jesus, and he rests reassured, knowing that, um, like, rest, rest assured, knowing where their eternity is going to be. Um, and I wish that for us as well. Like, we we look at ourselves, and uh, we look at the day of Christ, and we recognize the gravity of that, and our hearts can begin to change because of that. And once again, this is all stems from Paul, whose heart knows Jesus. The same way Jesus emptied himself out, Paul's working and striving. And he said, despite being a sacrifice, that he's, he rejoices in that, knowing that's for the other people's faith. Um, and we see that in ourselves in Romans 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to represent your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. As believers, we are called to live sacrificially, right? It's, it's embodying the person of Christ, that we are here for a greater purpose so we can um, live knowing that, like, we might we might lose some things, we might lose some resources, but it's all for the greater purpose of people knowing Jesus and for the eternity of other people. Um, so I hope as we read through what Paul wrote down, um, and you were encouraged by it, and began reflecting on what it means for ourselves to work out your salvation, what it looks like to shine like a light to those, to those around you, to hold firm to the word of life, and to simply live sacrificially. Um, here on now, we're going to have time in our small groups to talk about these things, to ask questions, to, um, to answer questions, um, and to just dive deeper into the text. But I'm going to pray for our time, and we're, we're going to move on. God, we just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. You're, you're good to us. You're kind, you're gracious, and you're merciful, Lord. And we don't deserve it because you love us so much. Um, that's just who you are. God, thank you for the person of Jesus that you sent down. Um, to die in our place, Lord. I pray that is a truth that we rejoice in and never forget. God, I pray for our small group time that we get to just dive deep. Uh, we get to answer questions, maybe have some of our questions answered. And we get to get a better look at who you are, God, and how that can change our lives, how our, how our hearts can be changed, and we can live sacrificially for the sake of the gospel, Lord, that through our lives that people will get to know you. Um, yeah, we just thank you for this night, God. We give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.